The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. I had just arrived in London at 18 and spotted this movie marquee, Meetings with Remarkable Men. The film was about the philosopher Gurdjieff, but it was the title that spoke to me. I wanted to know people like that, people changing the world by the way they lived. I've sought them out ever since, and now we'll hear from many of them on the Victoria Moran podcast, Meetings with Remarkable Women. Welcome to the podcast. Your host, Victoria Moran, author of Creating a Charmed Life, Younger by the Day, and Main Street Vegan, invites you to conversations designed to help you thrive in your body, cozy up to your soul, and use your unique gifts to change the world. Now, here's Victoria. Walt Whitman wrote, To me, every hour of the light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. Whoa, that pumps me up. (laughs) It's like my soul is a balloon in need of helium. But I got to tell you, There have been plenty of hours of light and dark that I have described as something well below miraculous. So Walt reminds me, but he's not on earth anymore and I can't meet him for vegan pizza in Greenwich Village. So I need miracle makers in the here and now. And if you can use another one of those on your list, you're in luck because she's here transformational vision coach, spiritual teacher, and sometime pizza buddy, Barbara Bijou. Hello then, I'm Victoria Moran, and I am so happy that you are with us here for this podcast. And thank you so, so much for your support thus far. We're really off with a bang, and that is 100% thanks to you. My aim is to make the conversation here indispensable every single week, and I know that will happen today because my guest is quietly spectacular. I love getting to brag about people I admire, so this introduction is going to be fun. Barbara Bijou is a fixture in the New York spirituality space, and she is known across North America and around the world as a spiritual leader and guide a motivational speaker and author of The Joy of Ritual and The Joy of Family Ritual. Gabrielle Bernstein calls Barbara her go-to for all life rituals, and Barbara's work has been noted by the New York Times, The Hollywood Reporter, The Chicago Tribune, and Oprah.com. So, ta-da, Barbara Bijou. (laughs) So great to be here, Victoria. It is always wonderful to talk with you. Uh, In person is ideal. And um, 
by voice is also good. And you know what's special today is it's not just you and me. It's all these amazing people who are listening in. And maybe some of them are meeting you for the first time. So that makes me a matchmaker. <laughs> but you know what? We need to talk about first things first, just in case the person is listening to this podcast who introduced us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can that person let themselves be known? been many many years victoria and we still haven't discovered who did that amazing introduction sometimes i think it was probably an angel but it was <laughs> probably somebody from my hometown of kansas city because i had just moved here it was 2000 i didn't know anybody and some person or angel said you really ought to meet barbara bijou and I remember we met and it was wonderful and I loved you. And I hope that one of us thanked that person because now we don't know who they are. <laughs> you know, it's almost like Johnny Appleseed, you know, planting trees all over the country and never staying around to see them bloom and have people eat off the fruit, you know, the fruit of the tree. So that person kind of seeded, midwifed us. It's really true. And you reminded me with, with your Johnny Appleseed illusion at the lowest point of my life, I was widowed in my thirties and everybody said, don't do anything for a year. So I waited 365 days before doing something really stupid. I moved to the country. I don't know anything wow. about life in the country, <laughs> but I moved to the central Missouri Ozarks. I was there for a very, very long year. And a friend of mine, I'm sure some of the listeners know who he is, Dr. Douglas Graham. He came up with something called the 80-10-10 diet. He worked with a lot of athletes, got Martina Navratilova back in the game. And he said to me, you must plant trees on that property. And I said, but I only rent and I'm leaving as soon as I can. And he said, so much the better. So they'll be there for somebody else. Mm, I love that. Ah, and I love you. So let's talk about you. <laughs> Let us start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Were you always a mystical little girl? You know, when I look back now, the answer is absolutely yes. And I don't know if I even understood what that meant, but like probably many people who are listening now, you know, I used to talk to animals all the time when I was a kid. I mean, my favorite thing to do would be get on my bike. And I was very free as a kid as far as, you know, just going places. It felt very safe. But I used to go and like, in my imagination, I had many conversations with the animals, with the trees, with what I think back now might have even been fairies. But I didn't really look at it that way. It just seemed like a natural thing to me to be connected and to be intuitive. It wasn't until many, many, many years later that I got to understand that part. So take us on a little trip down memory lane. How did you get to be from a little girl who talked to fairies to this amazing woman who was counseling important personages around the world? Uh, you know, Victoria, it's interesting. 
because you and I have talked about this, and I don't think my my path wasn't A to B. You know, when I even look at my astrology or, you know, any of the energetics around me personally in my path, I have always been very heart-centered. For those of you who work with card deck, the actual 52 deck of cards, everybody has a card that they were born with, and I'm the four of hearts, and that's the card of loving kindness, of compassion, of heart-centeredness. But when you are born and have that energy, which means you wanna help people and do good, there's also a little bit of fear of not being, quote, normal, and I can only talk for me. So I did many things that were, you know, out of the box, so to speak. And on the other hand, um, I tried to be conservative enough so people wouldn't think I was nuts. So although I was very intuitive and, you know, started eventually back in the 80s teaching meditation and visualization, all of that, I really liked the fact that I could quote to say neuroscience and give people the science behind the spirituality when in essence I really didn't care about the science to be honest because I knew it worked and I was very connected so I kind of walked both paths my life and I think what it's done right now is made me a better teacher a more compassionate um, um, I don't even know what the right word would be. Sometimes I think, you know, I really am an urban priestess because I'm very connected to the earth, as you know, and yet I can also travel great distances spiritually. So I've kind of woven these two threads, you know, walking a spiritual path with practical feet, um, and that's been very important to me. I think it's the only way you can really do it because otherwise you're just off in the clouds somewhere or you don't even see a horizon because <laughs> you're always looking down right right although you know i've in my life had people tell me i wasn't you know i wasn't new agey enough i wasn't spiritual enough i was you know they had a lot of judgment on the fact that you know i could also teach courses in a corporation or i could do a just say like I'm doing a autumn equinox ritual and at one point, you know, and I opened it to anyone who wanted to come, you know, and people would go, well, I shouldn't say people, the quote goddess community at the time was, well, how could you let men in or how could you let anyone else in? And to me, it was like, why can't we be inclusive? You know, why do we have to be exclusive? So I've gotten throwback from some people and on some levels but at this moment i realize that it's just their stuff you know and i've learned a lot from that well you mentioned the autumn equinox and since you did it happens to be today <laughs> the the day that this episode <laughs> airs right so i know that you're doing a, a zoom event tonight it is it too late yes. for people if they're listening right now to sign no, up for that? No, not at all. I always, because it's not like you're coming in person and you have to travel. All you have to do, sign up and click and you're on. So it, all they have to do is go to my website at barbarabijou.com to the calendar and you know, you'll know you see in the events and you just click, come join us. It's a very 
powerful time of year because the equinoxes, both equinoxes, spring and fall, are the two times of the year when we really move into a new state of balance. Plus, it's the changing of a season. And whenever we change a season, it's important to stop, to acknowledge what we have harvest up until this point, and then to look at what we want to bring with us, what we want to let go of, and what new possibilities are available. So it's really powerful to be joining in energetically with a group who's really on the same page. Oh, that will be wonderful. But for people who can't do that, or people who aren't even listening to this until after the equinox, what can we do just in the early fall? Let's talk about this one, since this is where we are. Right. What happens spiritually and energetic at this time of year, and how can we be more in tune with it? Well, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, it will be the opposite for those in the Southern Hemisphere. You know, we are now entering um, into more a period of darkness, and I don't mean that as a bad thing, by the way. So, you know, we've had a lot of expansion and growth. Now we're at a time of integration of harvest and we're preparing for the winter and we also are preparing for the end of this 2022 um, hard to believe that it's gone so fast actually um, so wherever you are to just really stop and to go into your heart because that's the only place where you're going to really gain wisdom and to really stop and ask yourself you know, what have I harvested this season? Maybe it's a new friend. Maybe it's a creative idea. Possibly you've worked on, you know, doing something physically with your body. You've changed an eating habit. Um, you, you've opened compassionately to somebody else. There's so many things. So just to really stop and acknowledge and then, as you know, is so important to me, Victoria, to really give thanks to Mother Nature. So if possible, it's great to do this outside, to be among the trees and the grass and, you know, or the mountains or the ocean, wherever you are, and to really thank Mother Nature for allowing us to have this abundance, because we do have so much abundance, whether you think you do or you don't, you do and to give thanks and that's a really important thing and from that place to really ask okay what's next what do i need to know you know what's coming in and to just start i find journaling helps don't try to get an answer immediately you may not um, maybe it'll come to you in a dream maybe it'll come to you someone will show you a book or you'll hear something but just to be present to where you are and open to where you may be going. I like that. So how does what we do in the fall differ from what we'll do in the spring? Well, when you think about it, you know, spring is the time, let's just look for just two minutes on this quote wheel of the year. So right now things are slowing down, we're harvesting physically, Mother Earth is has her bounty right now. And the seeds, just say the, the seeds of, you know, the grain right now 
Well, the grain that we're eating, those seeds are going to come up again in the springtime. So spring is like a young energy. Think of a child energy. You're being born. There's something new. There's possibilities. Things are coming up. So it's a very different younger energy. Summer is a little bit more mature. Think of the maybe um, early 20s, 30s, maybe you're in that kind of mothering, fathering energy. It doesn't mean you have to have children, but you're giving birth to projects. There's a lushness about summer. Um, there's even an energy of expansion, sexuality. All of that is happening in the summer. And then the fall is the time really for integration. So as you're going around this wheel, you're starting to integrate now and see what you, the seeds that you planted in the spring, what is starting to come up now? What needs to be nurtured? Where do you need to weed things? And then as we go into winter, it's an energy of quiet, reflection, completion, and know that those roots are still deep, deep in the earth and they're still alive even if we can't see the flowers anymore. When, you know, we now have quiet and snow and they will come back again in the spring. So it's just watching the cycle of life really is what it is. And when you can be in that energy, you know it's okay to slow down at times. It's okay to just be quiet it's okay and is necessary actually to be in that contemplation and integration and each season it's also important to have gratitude and be in compassion for where you are it's so interesting to me barbara to listen to you talk about this nature-centered spirituality i remember when i was in school i got my my degree in comparative religions and one of my wonderful professors, Dr. Nauman, said that there are three ways that people around the world and throughout history have accessed the sacred. For some, it's through history. And this would very much be Judaism, Christianity, Islam. For others, it's nature. So the earth-centered religions, the tribal traditional religions, Wicca, this kind of thing. And then accessing the sacred through the self through the spirit mm. more of the yogic buddhist kind of way and i'm in that third set but i love the first two right <laughs> and when you talk about these forces of nature i'm in awe at how little i think of them mm. and and how fortunate i am to know you because then you remind me Oh, well, thank you. But, you know, also when you talk about the different things, so when you look at the holidays that are around the fall, you know, there is a Buddhist holiday, Higan, it's, I, forgive me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, and it's three days before and after the equinox when the, you engage in ancestor worship. You go to the graves, you offer food to the ancestors, and there's a lot of forgiveness rituals. In Judaism, we have the new year. So in Judaism, you have rituals around, again, forgiveness, um, cleansing you have tashlak where you go to the river and you release into the water through usually bread you know your quote sins from the past year although i'm not a big sin person to me it's more maybe mistakes or where you went off track a little bit you know so every religion that i know 
um, Native Americans, there's many um, holidays around this time, especially celebrating the corn and the harvest. And, you know, so it hits on all three of what you really spoke about. And it's all the same thing on how can we be gentle and kind to ourselves and others, forgive, you know, you know that I love ancient Egypt. I'm actually taking a group to Egypt in October. And there is a goddess, the goddess Ma'at. And in the um, Egyptian Book of the Dead, which is really a treatise on how to live a good life, there's a part when you pass on, they take your heart and the goddess Ma'at has a scale and she weighs your heart against a feather. And if your heart is light as a feather, meaning you're not holding on to resentment and anger and all of that, quote, stuff, then you get to move on to the next level of your spirituality. So it's all about balance, and this is the time of balance. And yet, um, I was reading something the other day, which I loved, by Thomas Hubble, and he said, you know, balance is really about movement when you really think about it it's not just something being equal think about how do you have your balance when you ride a bike you have to be moving if you're just standing there you'll probably fall over right unless someone's holding you up or you have a kickstand so you have to be moving and engaging in life and it's almost like a surfer how do you keep your balance when you're skiing or surfing you are in action but you're also in conscious relationship to what is so that's that's another piece to you know this time of year i love it and and i'm very excited about the fall this is a really great day for me because you know some years are just amazing and all these wonderful things happen and i have had a year in 2022 where I had a very hard time in the winter with with one thing that went badly, uh, not ultimately badly, but it was a hard, hard winter. And then spring came and another difficulty presented itself. And then in the summer, uh, my sweet dog passed away. So I'm really looking to fall. Mm. And I know it's not the kind of thing that I can prevent life events that are going to happen from happening but i think that with enough investment in some of these things you're talking about no matter what comes at me from the outside i can meet it with more equanimity than maybe mm. i had last winter and last spring now i hear you i mean as you know i broke my shoulder but eight weeks ago and talk about the universe giving you a challenge on walking your talk and you know to really look at um what you say works and do you do it yourself and as you know it was really challenging for me because i was so dependent on other people i was in pain i was so vulnerable i live alone and i had to really call on so many people to help me and when I really look at the tools that I used myself, and I'm still using because I'm not totally healed yet, um, I go back to what we were talking about. And for me, I think the number one was making sure I was really grounded. 
And by that I mean I wasn't, you know, daydreaming and I wasn't off in la la land and I was very much connected to my body and being in relationship to my body and literally, and I still, I talk to my body constantly now to see what do we need to stay healthy and I get really good information and it's really been um, a journey of you know you think you have it all together and you know you're going smoothly because my life was going really well and boom everything changes in a second in a second yes yeah me too I know so. you know that yes, I do know you know that and I think too and I know you and I were talking about it that especially if you're in a position where you've been leading a lot of workshops or conferences or you've written books there's a projection on you that you don't need anything or you have it all together or you never feel vulnerable and you know it's just not true it's really not true I don't think I've ever felt so vulnerable as when you know I was in this position um, from this accident and I had to really learn to call on help and accept help in a different way and I think to Barbara, you and I are of similar vintage. And as you were talking about autumn and winter, I think there are those seasons of, of life as well. And I was thinking of this line that Ringo said in the first Beatles movie, <laughs> it's been a hard day's night. Right. And he said, being middle-aged and old takes up most of your life, doesn't it? <laughs> and you don't think that when right. you're young, but it's really true. And I think about, you know, we've known each other a little over 20 years. Right. And so looking back, we were fairly young when we met, but we were talking about aging then I and know. how to age in a balanced way and how much to help nature and how much to let nature take its course. Right. So it really does seem to take up quite a bit of one's life to deal with its forward progression. So, so talk to us, Barbara, as, as a spiritual teacher and, and a ritualist, what do we do at 50 and 60 and 70? Well, you know, just I mean, keep the momentum going. Well, first of all, I think as we were talking about the seasons, you know, um, Recently, I, I was supposed to be in person at a conference in LA and I couldn't do it because of my accident, so I did a Zoom. And it was really for women who were going through perimenopause and menopause. And I was talking about how in, quote, the old days, you know, in women's spirituality especially, although this also goes for men or and it's not gender-based, um, you know, you have a period where you're maiden, mother, crone, meaning you're in that young, you know, exploring sexual um, energy at a certain age, adventurous, and then you move into the mothering, which could also be fathering, where you're giving birth to either real children or careers, projects, you know, art, whatever. And then 
it would be you go into that crone, that wise man, wise woman stage where, you know, you kind of withdrew from the world more and you were just kind of the grandparent kind of energy. But it's not true anymore because we're all living so much longer and we're much healthier. People are starting businesses. I think more businesses are started with women, especially in their 50s than any age. I believe that was a new statistic I heard. So part of it is to be able to let go of the old stage while embracing a new one that could be vibrant and exciting, but it will be different. And then at different times of your life. So to your point, what I did for this ritual, for this group of people who are all basically in their, I guess from their late 40s up to the, through their 60s, is we did a queening ritual where they took on the powerful new archetype of Amazon queen. And it would go the same to you could be the king. So you're bringing in an energy that knows how to set better boundaries, that knows your own self-worth. You don't have to be asking everybody's approval all the time. Um, you know, you know who you are and you still are very vibrant and sexual and have a lot of different energy, but you're not, you know, a young kid anymore and you're in a different stage of your life. And because we own these different stages, it really empowers us. It doesn't mean I can't, you know, flip on my maiden and go bungee jumping or rollerblading, or I can't grab my mothering energy, you know, and caretake a client or a business you know you can pull in different things a 14 year old could become an amazon queen if she's very political you know and running rallies she's pulling on the amazon queen energy but i think there's something about acknowledging those stages and to your point you know i had to really look at i might be strong i might be vibrant and you know i do a million things but you know, my body's not the way it was when I was in my 20s or 30s. It never will be. It might be good, but it's never gonna be the same way again. And you know, you wanna acknowledge and I don't wanna say mourn, but just be cognizant of the fact that there's a stage that's over and you're entering a new stage. And when we do that with consciousness, that's where ritual comes in as far as I'm concerned, we honor the different life stages and we empower and we know that it's okay to move into this unknown because there's so many other people who are in that stage who could help us all we have to do is open to their support mm, that's lovely and i do want to talk about ritual since that is your specialty that's one of the things you're known for and I noticed at one point that the word ritual is right there in the middle of the word spirituality. Mm. And that was a, a kind of wake up call for me because I think in many ways I had moved away from ritual. I, I was raised Roman Catholic and I felt that this direct contact with the divine, this kind of mystical consciousness that wasn't dependent on the ritual was extremely appealing. But the older I get, the more the lure of, of the incense and the prayers <laughs> and the chants, I can see something there that's really valuable. So from your 
position of expertise. Give us Ritual 101. Well, Ritual 101, basically the word ritual actually means to fit together. So it's a really a roadmap. And when it's done consciously, because I think a lot of people have moved away from it because it was too rigid and might not have had anything to do with their life. You know, it was like, this is the way we're going to do it because we've always done it this way. And it doesn't always work like that. So ritual is a structure that actually an energetic structure, it's a container. It's like getting a car that will move you someplace. It takes you from one state of consciousness to another because the brain doesn't know the difference between me doing a ritual release in water, just say, and actually letting go of something. The brain reads it as, ah, okay, we let that go, it's gone. So it's very powerful. And the more you use your senses, the more powerful it can become. That's why, you know, people use insight. I'm sorry, I don't know if you hear it. All of a sudden, someone is blasting music outside my apartment very, very loud, even though I'm on the 10th floor. I do, do hear it. Welcome to New York, everybody. Yeah, but it's actually, it's kind of interesting when you're talking about ritual, because the song that is playing now is a song that was very popular back in, you know, like the 70s or something. Talk about aging. It's very funny that it's blasting now. But anyway, so when you use your senses, you know, the sense of smell is directly inputted into the brain. Your sight, your touch, all of these things just add to the ritual. But you could do it by yourself. You could go out in nature. You could sit on the ground so you feel the ground. You could smell the air. You could touch the dirt or the grass. So, you know, you don't have to have all the accoutrements that you buy to engage your senses in a ritual. You can just pull from what's around you. So how do we ritualize daily life? Things like cleaning, <laughs> um, uh, cooking, meeting with a friend. Is there a way to make those engagements into the miracles that Walt Whitman was talking about? Um, I think so, because, you know, it's like you and I met for our pizza, <laughs> you know, our gluten-free pizza, our vegan pizza down in the village. And it wasn't just you and I eating pizza. It was a ritual of friendship. It was a ritual of connection because we both set intention to really be present for each other. And I think, you know, that's what the Japanese tea ceremonies are all about. It's about connecting to someone else. So if I set my intention to say for cooking, to make some food that is nourishing for my body and possibly my friends or my family um, and to honor mother nature for you know the beautiful broccoli or for you know whatever it is i'm cooking it shifts it from just doing it on automatic to making it something very sacred you know if you're in any spiritual community whether it's a monastery or an ashram the people who prepare the food really are not allowed to do it if they're really angry because the belief is which i do believe that whatever your energy is it goes into the food so you want to put as much love into the food as possible so that when people are eating, they're nourished by the intention as well as the actual food of it. So things like that, I think, can really make your life much more interesting and fun. 
even cleaning, which is not my personal favorite thing to do. But when I do it, I try to do it as a way of releasing any stuck energy so that I'm going to clean out and release all the stuck energy or maybe some place where I was feeling upset or sad. Or, so it's not just about dirt, you know, it's about the whole um, energetic field. It's like doing a little spiritual rotor-rooter or some feng shui while you're just doing simple things like dusting or cleaning. You have some good shower rituals, too. I love my shower rituals, yes. Well, I always, and this one is something I do every single day. Every time I take a shower, I call on the power of water because water has been used in rituals forever and ever and ever for purification, um, for cleansing. So I call on the power of water to literally release from my mind. I do it one by one. I'll first do my mind and then my emotional body and then my physical body, anything that I am holding on to or anything that I have inherited from my lineage that is not supporting me anymore. So it could be thoughts, feelings, anything, so that when I'm finished, I just feel purified and cleansed. And I could literally feel things leaving me. You know, maybe when you start, you won't because you're not used to it, but it's a way of purifying even little kids. I mean, I've done it with little kids where they take a bath and they put anything they're upset about into the water and then see it go down the drain. And once it's down the drain, it's over. And you should see how happy they are because kids are very literal, by the way. So if you tell them they're going to wash their face, they wash away all the, you know, negative, you know, the bad feeling, they believe you and it works. And we have a kid inside. We have a kid us. inside. And we are also, how you know, we're made up of a lot of water. And water has been a medium of purification and transformation for as long as I've, you know, heard about any kind of ritual. It's always been used. Mother Nature has been used. You know, all the elements of the earth, the water, the air, the fire have always been used in ritual. You said something just before we started to record. I always like to do a little sort of, of prayer before uh, taping this show. And you called on angels. And then you called on the power of the violet light. Tell us what that is. So color and we all have energetic vibrations. And you all know that because anyone whether you're spiritual or you're not spiritual, knows the difference between feeling love and feeling fear. One is a heavier energy, one is a lighter, more expansive energy. And there are rays of light and energy. You know, you think about rainbows, that each color has a different electromagnetic frequency. The violet light is a spiritual ray of light that transmutes anything. So it's a mixture of blue and pink, the divine masculine, the divine feminine. And when you call on this energetic vibration, you literally can transmute energy. You can't discreate energy once it's created, but you can transmute it from a lower form to a higher. So even think of water. Water can be liquid, water could be steam, water could be ice, it can change form. So every morning and before I do anything like a podcast, I call on the violet flame and I literally just center myself in my heart. I call on the power of the violet flame to release, consume, 
cause and effect of anything that I am holding on to that is anything less than perfection and I'll ask it to release any negative astrological occurrences or electrical or you know spirit you could be as specific as you want about it but it's just a very simple spiritual tool that you could call on at any moment when you want to change a lower negative feeling to something more expansive. I like that. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. So, Barbara, when I think about you, I think about living on purpose. So Mm. I know that we can say that it's spiritual to just wait, to let go and let God, and there's wisdom in that, absolutely. And yet I love how you're so active in in the spiritual progression of your life. (laughs) How much is up to us and how much is up to the divine in your opinion? In in my opinion, and it's been changing over the years to be really honest, but I really believe that the more we can, number one, I think if there's nothing else you learn how to do is you have to learn how to ground yourself meaning you need to be connected to the earth and you need to clear yourself of other people's energy. Otherwise, you you don't even know how you feel half the time because you're just taking on other people's fears or dreams or whatever. So that's number one. And then to be open and receptive to this higher frequency of light, which to me is the spiritual light coming in. You know, people talk now about this fifth dimensional, you know, light that's coming in. Um, Native populations around the world all have been doing rituals for this, especially last year when they feel that this energy has really entered the planet. Um, So because there's more light available, we also get to see all the dark. So as you open and ground to this higher frequency, I believe it's our job then to pay attention to whatever comes into our consciousness, into our life. So if something is off, that we take steps to clear it. That it's not just, yes, sometimes we are in a state of grace and things just get cleared instantly. But you know we're co-creating here. We're here to learn, to create, and also to love and to, to share our light and our gifts with the world. Um, I truly believe that, that we were meant to share our gifts with the world, well, whatever they are. For some people, it's teaching you know, hundreds of thousands of people. For other people, it's just helping one child. That was their gift. Their cha- you know, it doesn't matter. There's no judgment on it. But we're here to show up and to share whatever we have to share with the world. And that is my personal kind of North Star that I go by. I think when 
we're kind of in the groove that yogis would call it dharma the buddhists would call it that as well when we're doing what we came here to do we have a peace and a contentment that we don't have at other times yes i agree and we also get support that normally we might not have even expected you know you and i have talked about this many times when this whole idea for ritual came to me back in i guess it was the mid 80s or late 80s early 90s and it was because of a personal quest of mine as you know i had lost a sister you know who was who died at 24 and i spent many many years trying to find ways to heal it and when I finally found, for me, it was ritual that helped me heal that. And I wanted to share it and I kept getting information I was supposed to share it, but I didn't know how. But because I paid attention, because I listened, I started taking action. So I started running workshops. I started, you know, I don't even know if there was such a thing as blogging back there, but I definitely ran workshops and maybe I wrote some newsletters, I'm not sure. And then quote, out of nowhere, and I'm saying that in quotes, you know, I was offered a two book contract. So I was supposed to do that. And I had a choice, I could have said yes or no, but I just felt that that was something I was supposed to do. So I said yes, and then I learned how to write, unlike you who really knew how to write. You know, I was more a teacher than a writer, so I had to really learn how to write. And I, again, the help came, the support came, and, you know, it just moved me into a whole other direction. And I try to pay attention now because I know that things can change on a dime and maybe I'm supposed to pivot, but I won't be able to if I'm not listening to spirit and I'm not quiet enough to hear that voice and then see, and I always ask when I get that, and show me what to do. So one of my prayers is release to me all that I need to know, you know, under grace, just send me and then show me what I need to do so that I could show up too. Hmm. So as our time is starting to wind down, Barbara, I'm thinking about the world around us and we can do all these wonderful things to grow our soul and increase our ability to love and what we can do for those close to us. But if you turn on any one of those news channels and listen for very long, the picture of the world around us is not a very pretty one. So what do we do with that? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is not spend a whole lot of time watching the news, to be honest, because having worked in TV for many years, I know that, you know, they want to get the most uh, reactive stories out into the world because then you'll tune in and you'll watch. So there could be 10, you know, wonderful things happening in the world and one horrible and they're going to keep looping the horrible one. It's not, I'm not saying don't become aware of what's happening. You do want to become aware, but make sure that you're also open to hearing what else is happening in the world. You know, I heard about the other day and I wish I could remember his name. There's a 30 something Scottish man living in London, I think, or maybe not London, England. And, you know, he's really trying to help the world and 
clean up the water and help children and he's created billions of dollars and you know I think he was on the cover of Forbes magazine recently I'll have to look it up and let you know but you know then nobody hears about these stories unless you know you're very specifically looking for them so there's a lot of people out there doing good and maybe it is your call to become political you know maybe you need to call people to get them to vote you know maybe you need to run for election maybe you need to go back and i know someone who has three kids she's in her 50s and she just went back to become a hospice nurse you know she's already had three careers and three children and she said nope she, she has more to do in the world to make it a better place and she went back to school and got retrained again so you know there's a lot of people stepping up and yes it could be really discouraging I am not saying it can't because a lot of things are a mess out there yet I'm still the eternal optimist that if we show up and take we have to take some action we're living in this world so whether you know it's what you're doing educating people on you know how they eat and resources animals you know educating people about the environment we have to we have to really pay attention and walk our talk i think that it's a lot about ripples mm -hmm. and we're all rippling out our thoughts our words our actions and all these things we do are just kind of going out there. And you talked earlier that matter, energy, not destroyed. And so I, I think that this energy that we give off isn't destroyed either. And right. there are people rippling out hatred and other things. And we can't really change them because they're not asking for our help most right. of the time. But we can ripple out love and kindness and yes, hopefulness yeah and that does something it does something and if anyone really wants to read the science behind it there's a wonderful book it's an old book it's called power versus force <gasps> amazing and, book. and it, remember that book and it really yes. does show that a certain amount of people vibrating at a frequency of love can really change another group who are vibrating at a lower frequency but i have to just tell you someone just sent me this today so i am going to read it it's like exactly what you're saying watch your thoughts they become words watch your words they become actions watch your actions they become habit watch your habits they become character watch your character it becomes your destiny it's just oh arrived my. in the mail an hour ago <laughs> maybe you could send that to me and we'll put it in the show notes because i will i'm sure there are people listening on a treadmill or in a car we're wanting to remember that. So yeah, will no, I will send it to you. And it was sent to me by a wonderful friend of mine, Dale Atkins, who is really, she writes and talks about kindness. You probably should interview her um, as well. And she just sent it randomly, sent me this as a gift. There are about 50 different cards here, and this is one of them. And it's oh, just lovely. beautiful. Yeah. So, Barbara, tell us how to find you. And again, we will put this in the show notes. And I have the great happiness to announce that the victoriamoran.com website that I have been promising since we started this podcast at the 1st of September actually is 
in the world and accessible today. So Yay. you can find all the show notes, everything about Barbara and the previous um, three guests. So, so Barbara, just recite everything. Where do well, you I, hang out online? Well, I hang out. First of all, I do an Instagram live every Wednesday. So that's a fun place. Just at Barbara Bijou. Um, my website has my calendar of what I'm doing. And I do a weekly newsletter where I always like to share different, you know, videos or spiritual teachings because um, in this day and age I don't do as much in person as I used to obviously but I still do I still show up for some things in person and I'm starting to take groups on spiritual trips so I'm really excited about that oh that is exciting and it's Barbara Bijou b-i-z-i-o-u dot com and at Barbara Bijou on Instagram right and also Facebook Barbara Bijou Productions cool any final closing blessing? You know, I, I mean, I tend to use this a lot because this to me really means a lot. It's, it's somebody out there needs you. So live your life so that they could find you. That is so beautiful because someone said that to me very recently about my dog because I really just very much know that somewhere out there and that's actually the song we used for my dog's memorial service on Aww. sunday somewhere out there not only is there the spirit of this little guy that i love so much but there is another dog who needs me and whom i need it's a little bit tricky because mm. i need a super gentle dog because i also have a handicapped pigeon <laughs> But, you know, it's it's just a little lump to get over. And now that you said that and somebody else said the same thing, these are the things. You know, maybe I really am beginning to think more like you, Barbara. When you hear something twice, you just know the universe is saying, in case you miss that. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yes, in case you missed it, here it is again. <laughs> Barbara, bless your totally. heart. May, may your healing be at record speed and uh i look forward to uh more pizza with you soon yes 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 okay. thank you victoria take good care bye bye barbara and everybody else if we can just hang out here for a couple of minutes as we have been doing people are telling me they kind of like this and it'll get even better as you tell me more things that you would like to talk about uh, the facebook group of victoria moran podcast listeners is a wonderful place to do that or now that the new website is up the victoriamoran.com website you can reach me there as well and I do just have a couple of things coming up. You know that I am part of the Compassion Consortium. That's CompassionConsortium.org. This is interfaith spirituality for animal advocates, for people whose spiritual lives include those who aren't human, <laughs> but are very much persons in, in their own right. So we're having a very special monthly celebration. We meet every month. This one is really special. It's our first membership Sunday. We're going to be celebrating people who have been hanging out with us uh, at four o'clock Eastern time on the fourth Sunday of the month for the past year and a half. 
and our special guest will be Ivana Lynch. And you probably know Ivana, if you've been listening to this podcast, if you listen to the Main Street Vegan podcast, she was on a couple of times. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you know her very well as Luna Lovegood in the last four Harry Potter movies. This young woman is so deep and so thoughtful. She is incredibly dedicated to the animals, and she's also dedicated to creating an absolutely brilliant life. And it's just contagious when she speaks. If you haven't heard her or you haven't heard her lately, she is magnificent. So do join us on September 25th, no charge ever for anything that the Compassion Consortium does, but you do need to register to get the Zoom link at compassionconsortium.org. And I also want to share that in the other part of my life, my Main Street Vegan side of what I do, that we are having the last Main Street Vegan Academy training program in 2022, starting on October 1st. This is seven weekend days via Zoom, very intense, very cool. It, it's life-changing. It truly, truly is. So if you are vegan and you have an interest in becoming certified as a vegan lifestyle coach and educator, please check us out at MainStreetVegan.com. And if you do decide to enroll for the course, I'm going to give you a, a discount code so that you can get 20% off your tuition. And that is kindness 20 kindness with a capital K to zero. And the last thing that I'll announce is I do have a YouTube channel and I'm working on it. It's kind of what you would call a work in progress, but something that has just been added there is this sweet five minute video about Forbes, about my little dog who passed away. And I just think if you've ever loved a dog, you might like to see the little retrospective in pictures of, um, of Forbes's life. So if you just go to Victoria Moran NYC there on YouTube, you can uh, get to spend some time with Forbes. And uh, he was a really remarkable dog. And guess what? You're a really remarkable person. That's why you're listening today. And that's why I'm so grateful that you are. So thank you, bless you, and go out and be remarkable. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can learn more about Victoria or contact her at victoriamoran.com. Be part of her inner circle by joining the Victoria Moran Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. And if you're a vegan looking to up your game, check out Victoria's acclaimed training and certification program, Main Street Vegan Academy, at MainStreetVegan.com. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. 
On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.